All right, so I am now on the line with a Miss Miss Martha Mignone, who is a dancer, teacher, and choreographer specializing in kizomba, urban kids, fusion kids, as well as bachata. Is that correct? Yes. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. So, so if I'm not mistaken, uh, you were born in Italy. You currently live in Italy uh, now. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, 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 yeah. I currently live there in Milano. In Milano. Uh, how are you doing today, Ms. Marta? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day and birds are singing outside. So, yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Hey, hey. So, um, you know, I guess I guess in order to, to start this interview out, I would love to hear from Ms. Marta. Please tell me, um, you know, what or, or how was your childhood growing up in Italy, what was that like for you? Well, um, I'm, uh, I grew up in a small, I was born and grew up in a small city next to Milan. It's a small town called Novara. Uh, for those who know a little bit more about Italy, it's very, very famous for the production of rice. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the top, top of Italy. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in this small city. So, um, I grew up with my family. I have two siblings. I'm the one in the middle and my family have a family company so like uh, I had my education and um, I had the chance uh, thanks God uh, thanks my family I had the chance to study in good schools and also uh, I went to university um, in the really the one that I wanted to so um, I got my degree in psychology so actually I'm a psychologist <laughs> and but meanwhile uh, I was dancing and actually time 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 ago skiing also but that I put that on the side <laughs> so <laughs> I was dancing and then uh, while I was studying psychologist the dance uh, really took over so as soon as I got my graduation actually dance became my career okay okay that's awesome that's a that's a quick overview of everything Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm very curious to hear, um, going back to your childhood, I guess, you know, you spoke about skiing. Tell me, what were some of your childhood hobbies? What did you enjoy doing? Sorry, say again. Oh, I said, what were some of your childhood hobbies? Hobbies, hobbies. Uh, so skiing on top of all skiing, absolutely. And then uh, I like motorcycles. <laughs> I was really like a male, uh, <laughs> male, male girl, like, like a, a tomboy. Male... <laughs> yeah, not 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 the dancer you see today. <laughs> uh, I used to hang out with boys and uh, you know do run with motorcycles and skiing, uh, all this uh, male stuff. Uh, that's why still today I have some knowledge of cars and motorcycles. And when guys hear me talking like this, they're like, whoa, <laughs> how a dancer can know this? <laughs> how you can know this? <laughs> and um, But yeah, um, I wanted to say that I had a, actually I had a very nice childhood, um, also because my family is very close. So, like, with my uncles and aunties and my grandmothers, we are really close, so, which is kind of typical in Italy for Italian families. It's kind of typical to stay close, to grow up together, to help each other. And so, I really cannot complain. I feel happy. I feel blessed. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's so good to hear. Um, <laughs> tell, me, tell me this real quick. 
did you did you grow up in a dancing household or was that something that you really didn't didn't develop till after school? The, the dance, you mean? How how did I how did I get into dance? Well, 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 just growing up, you know, did your family dance in you know in your youth? Was dancing no. a big part of it? Okay, no, 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 no. I'm like uh, the black sheep of my family for this. <laughs> they are really all into financial economy, computer, uh, IT, and like my brother is a informatic engineer, so it's completely <laughs> yeah. I'm really the black sheep of the family. I'm the artistic mind. <laughs> no, it's not, no, no, completely only me. <laughs> So so tell me this then real quick um how important was music in your household growing up Well that that was a big part of it um music was always present uh, at home uh, in my family also because uh, my family and also his uncle so like his side they were pianists so they used to play piano, so music has always been there. But I will say not not at all the music that I dance uh, today. So music like Italian culture and stuff like this. So yeah, um, I grew up. Uh, I, I developed my own. Um, uh, how can I say my, my style? What I my conscious of music, let's say um, a little later than um, my than my friends i will say uh, because i was more like uh, following what the others were listening to so if a friend was coming with a song that's okay it didn't matter if it was italian english rapper or uh, latino whatever so i developed my conscious of music can i say this in english yeah um later later on okay i definitely understand that i definitely understand that Tell me, tell me this real quick. I'm very curious to hear from you. Um, you know, I've never had a chance to visit Italy. Mm. Uh, how how influential is American music in Italy, if at all? Well, first, I definitely suggest you to come to visit Italy, just not right now. <laughs> just not right now. It's not the right moment. But as soon as you can, please come. <laughs> um, yeah, American music is definitely, definitely part of our absolute culture. We hear it in the radio. We hear it on TV. So we have like a channel, a music channel that keep uh, playing uh, American music as well as Italian music. Definitely. Yeah. So it's absolutely there. Um, I would say that it's something of uh, new generations more than older, but is is there. It's absolutely there. Okay. Okay. And I'm very curious to hear from you. Hey kid, come here. Hey, if you could like and subscribe for the channel, that'd be amazing. Let's get back to the show. Okay, and I'm very curious to hear from you. You know, growing up, you know, in Italy, pretty much your whole life. Um, can you can you maybe put into words how has Italy changed or evolved as you've grown up? Um, especially especially where I live, so in the north of Italy, where Milano is, uh, um, has changed uh, on a way of uh, opening to many, many, many different cultures. 
So yeah, Italy used to be known for being uh, closed and not really welcome to foreigners, uh, not really welcome to, I mean, to tourists, yes, absolutely. But okay, come, visit, and then ciao. <laughs> um, but I will say that in the last 10, 10, 15 years, especially the north of Italy really changed about this. And I think the proof of this was five years ago that we, we hosted the um, expo, you know, the worldwide expo uh, we hosted in Milan. And this was really like the click, the, the proof that Italy changed and was welcome to, was ready to welcome uh, many foreigners to come and stay and live and open their companies, their business and everything. Okay, I understand that. I understand that. Mm. So, so yeah, so, you know, you're growing up in Italy um, and you said you, you actually had an opportunity to go to university and get your, your undergraduate degree in psychology. Is that right? Yeah. I'm very curious. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. where did you go for school? Yeah, I, I, w- I want to say one one thing before before this. Um, because you said you grew up uh, your most life in Italy. Yes, uh, but I've been living one year in USA. Uh, when I, yeah, when I was 16, I came to live uh, to in um close to Manassas in Virginia. Um, I did like an exchange program, you know, to go and study the language, to go and study, to have an experience uh, um, abroad. And uh, and so I came to US, uh, I I spent there one year from when I was 16 to when I was 17, then I came back. So basically I attended high school in US and uh, (laughs) yeah, I I was actually well, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I'm actually from Virginia, and I know Manassas. That's Northern Virginia, so I, I know that area. Okay, so if you know specifically, I was in Woodbridge. My dad used to work in Woodbridge. My gosh, see how small is the world? <laughs> yeah, and you you were near DC. Did you ever visit DC at all? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. The year, the 11 months actually that I spent there because I arrived in September and I left in July, uh, the next July. So I travel as much as possible. Yeah, I went to DC often, I went to Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia, uh, New Jersey, New York, and I visit California back in the days. Mm. Well, well, let me ask you this then. I'm very curious to hear from you. I don't know if you can put this into I'm words afraid. at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> nothing afraid. good. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, you know, can you compare Italy to the United States? Is there anything that they're maybe similar or different in any way? Absolutely, there are th- similar and different things. Absolutely. So first. Uh, Everything is big in US, like roads and cars and grocery stores and houses, everything. <laughs> so it's like, gosh, you have space, people. <laughs> um, you know, in Italy, we have these tiny little streets with tiny little cars and we live in 15 apartments. <laughs> and so, uh, because the space is uh, way smaller. Um, so yeah, that was the first thing that really surprised me when I arrived in US. Um, but pretty much I will say that movies and yeah, movies really describe you well. So if you watch <laughs> some movies and when you arrive in the US, it's like, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I knew about it. Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> so 
one thing that really touched me was when I arrived in high school the first day and they said, okay, so, so as soon as I entered, I was like, whoa, am I in a movie or what? <laughs> I was really surprised. And then they gave, they said, this is your locker. I was like, really? I have a locker? <laughs> like my favorite actress. <laughs> I used to have a locker in her movie. So yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the, the, the system, is uh, well described i mean i would say uh, especially for high school for school is well described in movies so everything was like yeah and everybody was going to the basketball game and everybody's going to the football game <laughs> and they, ah those are the cheerleaders really <laughs> so yeah this was i was surprised but on the other side uh, i kind of know what i was expecting one thing that really uh let's say touch me maybe also because i was only 16 so still a young lady <laughs> um is the <clears throat> how united are the people uh yeah especially inside the family because of course i was living in a hosted by an american family when i was living there and, and like we have a, a schedule of the day everybody's busy so my dad goes to work my mom goes to work my brother goes to school and blah 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 but still at the end of the day we reunite at around the same table to talk about the day to eat together to spend some time together uh, and this was something very missing for me there i, I really miss this yeah because it was like okay. if i if I come home at this time, I will eat. I don't care if someone else is coming later or before or blah, blah, blah. So it's like more individual, if I can say it in this way. I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I'm curious. So, you know, you said, you know, you moved to America for a year. You know, you do your, your transfer student and then you go back. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm very curious to hear about you know, your time at university, what was that like going to school in Italy? What was that like for you? Um, it, it was it was great. It was great. It was just kind of hard um, because I chose to, to attend a very hard uh, university in Italy. Like you can study psychologist in Milano in a few university. And I chose this one uh, where there is a hard test to get in. And I'm talking about like uh, 500 people. Uh, taking a test and there are only 25 spots so what, like, what school was this it's a it's a university inside of a hospital in Milano it's called San Raffaele uh, yeah so it's a it's a very high quality and for this is very selective but I wanted to study there because I wanted to have a good um, uh, education so yeah so I chose this and it was kind of hard because we had eight hours of classes per day, <laughs> Monday to Thursday. Um, and, um, and meanwhile, I was dancing. So it's like in the night, as soon as finished to, to study, to take, to attend my classes, I was like running to, to give <laughs> dance classes and then maybe go to club because I had the party there and then uh, sleep two hours and then again, boom, back to school. So it was like very, very tough. <laughs> okay. So, so there's a lot to unpack there, but, uh, I got, I want to say, first off, you know, congratulations on getting into that school that sounds very very competitive and graduating like seriously that is very impressive Thank you. 
Of course, of course. I'm curious. Uh, you know, you said you started dancing. How did you get introduced to salsa then? I'm very curious to hear about that. Gosh, this is like the most common question, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, as I said, I was not like really feminine <laughs> back at the time. Um, so, I had this friend, male friend, who wanted to attend some salsa classes uh, in our city. And he was like, I want to go to, to take some salsa classes, but I, w I don't want to go there alone. So would you come with me? I was like, salsa? <laughs> what the hell is that? Latin party? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to get into this. And he was like, come on, come on, do me a favor. I was like, no, no, it's not for me. Like, I know it's not for me. Don't try to push me. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I promise. We do one month together. Just do one month with me taking these classes and I come to pick you up and drive you back home every day we have a class <laughs> so it was really like, pushing me I said okay okay one month okay promise and then he said at the end of the month if you don't want it we we give up we stop uh if you want it we keep going I was like mm -hmm, sure sure and then <laughs> look what I have today <laughs> So I think I liked it. <laughs> so so real quick, tell me this then. I, I want to hear from you. You're going back to 2008 when you first started Salsa. Tell me about your beginner stage. What was that like? The beginner stage. Well, I got into my beginner Salsa and Bachata class with my friend. And actually after, after three months, he left. <laughs> yes, because he was like, no, I finally don't really like it. So he left. <laughs> and I stayed there and I kept studying. And then in six months, actually, my teacher said, uh, I think beginner class uh, is just not for you. You should move to intermediate. I was like, okay, why not? So the second, uh, the second half of the year, I did it in the intermediate. And then the next year, I was ready to go intermediate again. But he said, mm -mm, let's move to the advanced. So like in two years, I did beginners, intermediate, advanced. So, um, and then the year after, he asked me, would you like to assist me into classes? And would you like to start to participate to, to some Latin parties like uh, animation, taxi dancer, just uh, giving some uh, workshop, assisting me and blah, blah, blah. And that's how I, I started. Then uh, my career, my... My friendship and my career with this person finished, but in the meantime, I met another dancer who actually asked me if I wanted to compete. And so I was like, oh, I never thought about it. And so we kind of prepared some routines and we went to the Italian championship and then the world championship and then boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me this real quick. Who, who was your first uh, salsa instructor? Who was that? Well, this, this guy that uh, it was in this small city in Italy, um, yeah, he was my, my first uh, salsa teacher. He's absolutely unknown. He's <laughs> like, it's just a, yeah, it's just a guy who has a really small school in this small town. So, but his name is Beppe, if someone wants to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just a yeah. real quick shout out. That's kind of like who started the journey for you, right? Yeah, exactly. 
It's yeah. like who saw something in me was like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> seriously, yeah. And, and so, real quick, I'm, I'm very curious to hear from you about this. Um, you know, I guess what was the social dancing scene in 2008 in, in Italy? Like, well, what was that scene like? In 2008, yeah, there was there were <clears throat> way less parties than today. <laughs> way less party than today. Uh, but still many, still many, because salsa is a huge thing in Italy, absolutely. I will say that still today, salsa, Italy, mainly Milano, but let's say Italy is the world capital of salsa still today. Yeah, somebody said uh, New York, but New York was it, uh, I guess, I would say New York was it the capital of salsa as long as Eddie Torres was at the top of his career. But then, um, but then uh, it became Milano, Italy, and it never changed still today, as, as well as uh, Madrid is the capital of bachata, uh, Milano is the capital of salsa. Okay, okay, that's awesome. I never knew that. I never knew that. It's like a huge thing. Well, back in 2008, parties were less than today, but they were definitely full. Uh, situation today is that every day of the week, you can dance salsa. You have salsa parties in Milan every day of the week. And from uh, Wednesday to Sunday, actually, you can have up to 10 parties going on at the same time. Yeah. And plus the festivals. And uh, on Friday and Saturday, there are parties who actually reach 2,000 people. That's yeah. amazing. It's like a festival, but it's just a club. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so tell me this then real quick. So, you know, there's, there's so many parties. So that means that there's, you know, so many people attending these events. Uh, I'm very curious. I guess, tell to me about... The is there a competition among instructors, and if so, you know, what is that like? Or what is that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We have like uh, top names, of course, like big uh, worldwide uh, known people, um, which have uh, years and years of careers, and those are the top names. Uh, apart from that, we have, um, let's say, the uh, <clears throat> middle class, <laughs> which are based on uh, good schools, good school, not very famous worldwide, actually maybe not famous at all worldwide, but school uh, with, um, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> um, school with good teachers um, and um, full, full classes. Um, and then there are the <laughs> poor, uh, poor, poor teachers, poor category, I call it this way, not because they are poor in their pockets, but because they are poor in their knowledge. And these are uh, the worst because uh, they steal, uh, you know, one, two, three people from here, five, six or 10 from there. And then they, they, don't, have a, they don't have a school, but maybe they teach in their living room or they teach uh, like in the basement. And then they run their own party without any anything legal or stuff like this and as long as these parties are not big but let's say that they still have like 40 50 people yeah these 40 50 people are stolen from real school and those 40 50 people are learning oh i'm sorry i'm sorry are learning actually something wrong 
because uh, these teachers don't have a knowledge, so they cannot share any knowledge. So that's why I call them poor, poor line, poor category. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, so real quick, let me ask you this then. For, for someone who is, you know, a beginner and, and they're looking for, you know, a, 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 an instructor, whether it be for salsa, bachata, kizomba, whatever dance style it may be, um, you know, how can they go about finding the right teacher? You know, make sure they're not, they don't find that poor teacher and they yeah. find that, that reputable teacher. How does one go about that? Unfortunately, there is a high risk that somebody who just uh, fall into the system, the Latin dance system, uh, uh, there is a high risk that this person will meet one of them. Um, <clears throat> other than he knows someone already dancing. So maybe this someone who is already dancing can tell him, look, don't make this mistake. <laughs> don't go there. Uh, I suggest you other schools. But apart than that, unfortunately, uh, if this person is not curious, so let's say can check on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, ask other people and search a little bit. If he doesn't do a, a research, then... Uh, there is a risk that this person will fall into the, those classes. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I understand that. So let me ask you this then, because, you know, to someone who is new to the scene, anyone and everyone looks like an amazing dancer, yes? <laughs> Maybe, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and, and so what I mean is, though, um, you know, I guess how, what do you look for when you want to find a good teacher? You know, what are some qualities or attributes that, that let you know this may be a good teacher? You know, many people would probably answer how full, how crowded are their classes. But in reality, no, that's not an answer. I absolutely think that this is not an answer because... Um, uh, because, for example, <clears throat> a better teacher may cost a little more. So because it costs a little more, he has less people. Um, <clears throat> and so his classes are like uh, uh, less full than the cheap one, but just because of the cost. Or maybe this uh, poor quality teacher is really an entertainment. So he's really a showman, he's really uh, a comedian. And so his classes are actually full because people go there and have fun, but they are learning nothing. Uh, so, yeah, the answer def is definitely not how crowded, <laughs> how crowded is the class. Um, maybe the years, <clears throat> the number of years <clears throat> this teacher is teaching can be already and can give you already an answer. And um, uh, probably, probably. Yeah, the, the research with other people, the research with, with other people, trying to understand, uh, trying to ask around, uh, trying to get information. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I will say this, but definitely not how crowded is this is the class. <clears throat> I'm, excuse me. You're good, you're good. No, and I, I definitely understand that. Um, some things can definitely be deceiving, so I definitely understand that. And I would like to precise that all this that we are talking about, all these things that I'm saying, <clears throat> that you actually asked me specifically for salsa, I wanted to say that it works <clears throat> as well for bachata and kizomba. Exactly the same. Of course, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so you, you start your salsa journey and bachata journey back in 2008, 2009, 
Um, you go all the way to you know the world championship, which is super impressive. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess I'm very curious to hear from you. You know, um, after all that, how did you get introduced to Kizomba? Um, well, before I got introduced to Kizomba, I already left the world of competition because uh, I was sick of the system. Uh, so, like, uh, I couldn't stand anymore at seeing so many <laughs> sneaky, unfair <laughs> things happening in front of my eyes. So it's like after a few years, I went to my partner and said, look, I'm done. I'm done with this. I cannot stand anymore. I cannot see this uh, uh, sick system working anymore. So please let's do something else. So he actually followed me and we moved to festivals. So more for showing shows, shows, performances and teaching. And then because I kind of uh, started to, again, go back into salsa clubs. Uh, I met this guy who was, uh, uh, at that time, a bachata teacher. And we had to do a little, uh, let's say, demo performance together for a club where we were working together. And this guy was like, okay, let's meet and uh, we, we make something together. Like, let's train a little bit before we do this. Okay, okay, okay. So we met in, in his school and he started to like place his hands on my back in a really strange way. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, oh, this is a new dance. It's called Kizomba. <laughs> I was like, Kike? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a new dance. Let me show you a video. And of course, in 2012, he showed me who? Albin and Sara. Of course. Because at that time, they were like, boom, top. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> I love it. I want to dance like this, exactly like this. <laughs> and so at that time, in Italy, there were only two teachers, two teachers of Kizomba. That was all. And one was uh, fortunately in Milano, so he said, uh, hey, if you want, let's go take some classes. So we went to take classes. Wait, uh, real quick, real quick. Who were those two teachers? Name drop, real quick. The, the names. So in Milano, uh, it was Davide and Laura, Kizomba Milano. And in the south, uh, there was uh, this uh, teacher called Fernando with his partner, Michaela. So, yeah, so we were in Milano, and so this guy said, uh, okay, let's go take some classes. So we went, and uh, for six months we took classes with this guy, and then he said, well, guys, uh, even me, I'm still learning, so I have nothing else right now to give you, but I suggest you to start to travel. So go to festivals and learn, learn as much as you can, and then come back in Italy and let's grow the community together. And we were like, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> and... <clears throat> And so, yes, so we were like uh, in the first of five couples uh, of Kizomba teachers in Italy. Yeah, so okay. that, that, was, that was like really the beginning. And uh, people don't want to believe this, but when we started and nobody was believing in Kizomba because really nobody wanted to believe in Kizomba, especially Salseros who were saying, Mm -hmm, yes, in six months, everybody would forget this dance, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> um, we were opening, like, this teacher opened the first Kizomba party of Milan, and it was, like, so small, and 
like nobody was believing this. So the owner of a club gave us the wardrobe. So we were dancing. He took off the, the, the jackets and the furniture and they gave us the wardrobe, the wardrobe, the locker room. Locker room? Yeah. Uh, you can say the wardrobe where you hang your jackets at, though. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you remove some furniture. So it was like, okay, you can dance. <laughs> And we were like so happy, like, yeah, we started our kids on the money. <laughs> so, yeah, gosh. I mean, that's, um, they call it, you know, humble beginnings. So I definitely understand that. Wow. I, I want to ask you, I want to ask, you know, the you know, question similar to what I asked you before. Uh, you know, please tell me about your beginner stage in Kizomba. You know, what was that like? My beginner stage? So you mean as, as a learner, as a student? Exactly, yes, ma'am. Yes, so yes, so we learn uh, the basics from this guy in Milan, and then uh, together with this um, my friend who became also my my dance partner at that time, um, we started to travel. So first we went to Spain to meet Albir and Sara, and to take a festival there, and then we went to Paris to another festival over there to learn a little bit, and then. Everything that's like the knowledge we were getting, we were bringing back home and starting to teach, to, to share this knowledge with people, to grow the Kizomba community. And then starting a few parties and then, uh, and then clubs were like, okay, but show us something. So actually we put together a show and we were not ready for this. We were really not ready. Um, we were performers already, but something else. No, no Kizomba performance. So we were not ready, but clubs were like, people need to see something, like show, show something. So we put together a show and it was like, today when I look at this show, I'm like, oh gosh, what, what I was doing? <laughs> but you know, um, the, the community needed somebody to push on this. And, um, and so, yeah, that's what we did. And then um, we we kept learning and at the same time kept teaching and the community grew up and the numbers of teachers grew up and the numbers of clubs grew up. But thanks God, it means that the job was well. And, um, and then uh, a few years later, I met Moon, that everybody knows who he is, <laughs> uh, Moon from Paris. And I was actually... Uh, on a way to stop working with this guy and at the same time he was on his way to change his dance partner because some things were not working and so he proposed me to partner up with him and this was 2015 and uh, and then was like boom <laughs> really the the change uh, the change of life the change of career the change of uh, everything and we developed together what today you call the urban kiss Okay, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. I wanted to say, to be fair, that we were not alone, but to develop uh, Urban Keys, of course, it was Moon and me. Of course, it was a nine Carolina back at the time, and later on, uh, Curtis and Carola. Okay, sure enough. Yeah, please give uh, props and respect, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to. Let, uh... <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this real quick. Um, and it's kind of like a two-part question for you. Mm -hmm. but, okay. But um, <clears throat> for, you know, you've been dancing Kizumba for so long. Um, for someone who is just now getting in into Kizumba, you know, they are be a beginner. 
I want to ask you this question. Um, you know, knowing, or let me ask you this: What are some things that you know about Kizomba today that you wish you had known when you first started dancing? Um, for sure, one thing that it really makes a an important step for someone who is learning today and back at the time also, but especially today, is to understand that there are different styles in Kizomba, which are today well-defined, which they were not back at the time, but today they are well-defined, they have rules, they have um, uh, yeah, rules of uh, stepping, of weight transfer, of leading and following, that they are specific for each style. And uh, this is my big wish for uh, my, yeah, my big wish for someone who is a beginner today to first understand the different style, to don't get confused, to don't uh, pretend to know one style and so that's for sure the only one or that's for sure the best one or that's for sure the only one that um, I will ever dance because even me when I first started the only style that was existing let's say was kizomba like pure kizomba what today we call traditional or authentic and so um, that was the only style and then a few a little bit later it was already coming what they were called the French style or French keys or French style, which later on became Kizomba Fusion. And, and so all this knowledge really, if you don't have it, it can create a lot of confusion because um, one main point is about the connection. And so few styles keep having this connection and if style, one style or two don't at all. So, and, and people start worse, literally worse on top of this, like, no, you should be connected. No, you should not. No, you should, you should not give her leader a turn. No, you should lead her a turn. No, you should not let her do her styling. Yes, you should let her do her styling. And they really fight on top of this when actually it's just depending on the style that you're dancing. So if you're dancing one specific style, it will allow you to lead and fall. Ooh. Ooh. I'm back will allow you to lead and follow in one way. And this specific rule will not be possible to be used in another style. So that's why it's not working for someone else. But instead of fighting, learn, study, get your knowledge to, an, to the next level like this. You understand what I'm doing and what you are doing. And yeah, this is something, this is my wish for any beginner always. I definitely understand that. And that's, um... That's something I've always heard about, you know, is the kind of like the in-house fighting yeah. between, I guess, specifically Kizomba and like Urban Kids. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. definitely a big thing. Yeah, it's something I've always heard about. Um, I'm pretty sure you've probably been asked this question a million, a million times, but, um, you know, I would still love to hear it from you. You probably already know the question is. Um, but, you know, in, in your opinion, you know, can you put into words, you know, what is the difference between maybe Kizomba and Urban Kids or Fusing Kids? Can you put that into words? Oh, I definitely can put down in words. <laughs> um, so basically, 
to make it very quick and very simple for anybody, um, there are two main categories. And one category is urban keys. And all the other styles falls in the other big family, in the other category. Why urban keys is the only one separate? Because it's the only dance in the Kizomba world that doesn't have the body connection. So you cannot lead with your body. You don't lead with your body. You don't follow with your body. Um, so you don't have the upper part connection. You don't have leg leading. You don't have um, you don't have these kind of things that you have in all the other styles. And when I say all the other styles, I'm talking about authentic Kizomba, Tarasha, Tarashinya, Tarasho, so the modern Tarasha, um, Kizomba fusion, and fusion keys, and Semba, if we want to, to add also Semba. So these six styles, they lead and follow with the body leading, which Urban Keys doesn't. That's the main, main, main difference. Now, this is not clear anymore today because the Urban Keys founders are not really there anymore. Because as we know, Moon left the dance world. I am not pushing the Urban Keys anymore because I have other interests. And with my partner, we prefer to do Fusion Keys for a million of other reasons. And now is not anymore with Carolina, so he had to adapt to new partners, to new influence, to new ideas that he has. So basically, the founders are not really there anymore, unless then Curtis and Carola, who are still teaching this. But one only couple in the world is not enough. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot of confusion about what is Urban Kiss today. And I don't, I, I don't, I cannot stand when I hear people saying, Oh, you dance Kizumba or you dance Urban Keys? No, you don't. No, you don't. Because maybe I dance Fusion Keys and you dance Authentic Kizomba. So we are already very different. We are already very different on the way of leading and following, on the possibility to lose and refine the connection, on the way that we step. So it's, it's, not, it's not possible. The three main, main, main categories are Kizomba, Authentic, of course, which includes also Semba and blah, blah. Uh, there is the fusion keys, which is another main category, and there is the urban keys, which is another category. I will put Kizomba fusion, which is not fusion keys. I will put Kizomba fusion together with the Kizomba authentic, because to give you an example, uh, it's still not losing the connection, the Kizomba fusion. So that's why I will keep it in the family with the authentic Kizomba and the Semba. Okay. Um, but Fusion Keys allowed you to lose the connection and then to refound it. Urban Keys doesn't have the body connection. So every time we see leg leading in Urban Keys, it's an illusion. In reality, the leading is still coming from the upper part. And if it's not, then it's not Urban Keys. It's Fusion Keys. There is a huge confusion on this. And I, I know people keep fighting and keep... Uh, <laughs> but... I wish, uh, I mean, I'm doing this speech that I'm doing right now with you basically every weekend, all the year, all around the world, <laughs> because, uh, and people are like, ah, oh, now I understand. Yes, <laughs> but it takes courage and it, and it takes knowledge to be able to say this. That's very you true. Know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, that's like a, I think it's what you know, they call like an uphill battle. Oh. <laughs> so um 
so you know we were discussing all that um and you know, i'm very curious to know is is dancing your full-time job now absolutely that's Absolutely. amazing. That's amazing. As soon as the quarantine we finish, yes. <laughs> oh, so so tell me this then, real quick, because you know, um, your life is very different than a lot of other people. So tell me this, um, you know, what are some things that people may not know about the life of a full time dancer? That in reality, the dance is 20% of what I do. <laughs> yes, that's not 20 now, but let's say 30, 35 of the life of a dancer. The rest is uh, marketing, promotion, um, dealing with organizers, uh, choreographing, uh, keep yourself in good shape, <laughs> staying healthy. Uh, Doing laundry, <laughs> a lot of laundry <laughs> between one legend and the other, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, speaking many languages, learning about new culture to be ready to who you're going to teach to because, um, uh, people don't realize that if you're teaching in India, the attitude that you will have to the the student will never be the same as you're teaching in Vietnam or in China or in Korea, as long as, uh, as well as it will never be the same if you're teaching in Sydney. So people coming from different cultures need different um, behaviors, different treatment, different attitudes from you. And you have to learn about this. So, yeah. And uh, so definitely the dance is just like 30%. <laughs> I understand that. Um, Sorry, real so. quick, are you good? I, I, I have like two questions for you, but uh, I'm just trying to decide which one to ask you. So let me ask you this. How has this whole pandemic, this whole COVID-19, how has this affected, you know, your, your livelihood? I killed it. <laughs> I killed it. Definitely. It shut down my world. So, so yeah, um, we, that we live on this and we live on dance and we don't want to give up. We are waiting for things to open. And in the meantime, uh, we try to stay healthy, uh, strong mind, uh, and uh, to be ready for what is coming next, to be ready to readapt to a new dance world because it will not be the same. Uh, to be ready to imagine uh, new ways of teaching and new ways of dancing. Uh, meanwhile, me and my dance partner, Yami, who is in Paris, of course, right now, because that's where he lives, um, we're actually building a show by online. <laughs> of course, uh, no, no lift. <laughs> For this, we need to wait. But yeah, we're actually building a show like this. When things will be ready, we will be ready. Because, uh, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, readapting. Readaptation is definitely the key word for this moment. And then a lot of patience, a lot of patience. <laughs> and, yeah. That's, yeah. I, that's so true. Very true. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Let me, um, let me ask you this real quick. Um, While I'm listening to you, I'm going to move, okay? Is that okay? All right, no worries. Yeah, that's fine. Let yes. me ask you this. Um, 
you know, for for someone out there who, you know, is an aspiring dancer, you know, they want to live the life that you do. Are mm-hmm. there any are there any, you know, is there any words of wisdom or advice that you could give them to help them on their journey? Yeah, don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's a shitty life. You don't have a private life. You keep traveling. You don't have your, your private time. You don't see your family, your friends. You're never there for Christmas, <laughs> for birthday celebration. <laughs> no, I mean, this is the hard part of it. Of that's, course. that's the truth, though. But it's true. It's true. It's definitely true. Um you don't have a, you don't actually have a private life, or at least you have to accept that you have to have a private life together with the public life, and you have to manage them very well to don't hurt your beloved ones and to don't uh, hurt yourself, um, because your your public reputation is uh, it goes together with your work, so uh, you have to be really careful about it. Um, apart than that, I will say that it's a tough life because it's really competitive and one day you are at the top and the day after you are down. Um, and so you have like no, no security because, uh, you also have no security because, um, contracts uh, are very particular in our world. So, uh, you can actually have a job and then get canceled this job at this festival get canceled or the school just decide to close your class for whatever reason and so you don't the life uh, of a dancer it takes uh, a lot of uh, sacrifices if I can say it in this way uh, because uh, you have to understand that most of the times you will not be there for a birthday celebration you will not be there for your family you will not be there for your friends you will not be there for weddings i lost the count on how many weddings i lost from my friends and and birthday parties and everything and every time i'm like just sending messages and doing video calls because in the meantime i'm in asia in australia in us somewhere and i'm not there with them and also because it's a competitive life, so you have to have your mind very strong on this. And third reason is because it's totally an unsecure life. And this quarantine, I think, really proved us this. Uh, from one day to the other, I lost uh, like all my jobs. So festivals, schools, uh, everything shut down, private classes, everything, anything, and shows, performances, anything. So from one day to the other. Uh, so it's really an unsecure life uh, and you have to be ready for this. Um, I actually have a friend who said to me, uh, Marta, how are we going to do now? How are you going to do now that we are in quarantine and we cannot work? How are you going to sustain yourself? I said, well, I put on the side some savings, so I will start from that. And, and he said, oh, shoot, <laughs> shoot, <laughs> oh, shoot. I, I didn't put any savings on the side because I always lived my life like it was the last day. <laughs> and I was like, 
yeah, rock and roll, but now what are you gonna do? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, in this case, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. So it's really for this reason I would not push anybody to start this career other than your passion. Get really over each one of these reasons. Your passion really needs to be over the top to accept all of this. That that is very very true, and it's very unfortunate to hear that from you. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm curious, and and I think I I I may. I may already know the answer, but you know, can you tell me? Um, you know, despite all of those negatives that you listed, you know, I guess what keeps you going with it? Is it is it strictly your passion, or is there something else that kind of gives you that fire? Yeah, definitely the passion on top of all. On top of all, um, second, the one thing that really uh, reminds me often why I'm doing this job is to see the development the development of my students. Yeah, either my weekly students, but also people that I meet uh, somewhere in, in some countries and then I meet them again after one or two years uh, and see them growing, see them getting inspired by me. It's like giving me such a fuel <laughs> from the inside. And the other reason is because uh, I'm, a, I'm a performer. So being on stage uh, gives me like a, sh like a shot of adrenaline every time that <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an emotion that I don't want to lose. I don't want to live with without it. Okay, I understand that. I definitely do. Mm -hmm. yes. Let me, uh, do you have time for a couple more questions? Yes. Please. Hey, hey, perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, so you know, you've been dancing, you know, for a large portion of your life. I'm very curious to hear from you. What are some lessons that you've learned from dancing that you're able to translate to your everyday life? That you, first of all, the biggest lesson I learned that you, uh, let me put this down in the right way. Um, you should never stop being a student. Yeah, that's, that's really what dance is teaching, dance is teaching me like every day, every day. You should never stop being a student, no matter what. You can be you can be a dancer, but being a student of another language, or learning how to sing, or learning uh, how to I don't know use the computer, or build a website, or uh, learn uh, a new religion, or learn a new language. I mean anything, but never ever ever stop being a student. This is definitely what dance is teaching me every day since I started. That's that's very. That's very, very true. Um, you know, they say that the day you stop learning is the day you die, correct? <laughs> For real. Yeah, For I understand real. that. So some people ask me, I want to connect to this to say that some people are asking me, but Marta, at the level that you are in Kizomba, so it's like you building steps, you creating new styles, you creating new steps, you creating a, um, uh, inspiration for others. So how do you study? 
like as dancer what do you study and and this is a really common question to me and my my answer is is very simple i just keep studying other dances and uh, even though i will never use these steps uh, or this routine uh, or this whatever these are teaching my body to move in another way to listen to the music in another way to uh, unlock a move that I didn't know before and that I can find a way to bring into my kizomba or bring into my bachata or bring into my show. So, yeah, I study. I keep studying. Just uh, no, not basically kizomba, but I keep studying. I do, I'm actually getting uh, very involved into the Brazilian zouk scene because I find this dance uh, very nice <laughs> and interesting. Um, I keep studying uh, whatever African dance, single African dance, uh, or uh, reggaeton, or uh, uh, modern jazz, uh, whatever it comes. Funky, pop, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I say I would definitely agree with you. You know, like you said, it 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 kind of opens your mind to new possibilities, right? When you study a different yeah. dance style. Yeah. So I definitely understand that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It happened to me uh, not so long time ago that I was in a Latin, uh, was in a kizomba party, and I got introduced to a teacher. Um, this this is a teacher of uh, rock and roll and swing. So he was just there to visit a friend and uh, to meet some people. He he didn't dance kizomba, but he started the DJ play a song that for some reason he had a beat that for him it was unlocking his dance. So he looked at me and said, do you dance rock and roll? I was like, no, 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 no. Come on, some swing. I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, just do like one step on front, three on the back, one on the side. And then you repeat one step on front, three on the back, one on the side. Okay, keep this in mind and just keep going and follow me. And we actually danced, like we danced <laughs> because I kept this uh, uh, circle, like loop in my mind. So I was doing, keep doing this with my feet. And then we were actually, he, he was leading the rest, of course. And this, at the end, I felt like, oh, that was amazing. Thank you very much. Really blessed for this occasion. But he did one move that as soon as I stopped, I went to my partner and I said, is it possible to lead this in Kizomba? And we actually created a step. That's so, amazing. Yeah, so that's how it, that's how it works. <laughs> mm. It definitely is. That's, that's a, an, an instant example right there. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We have, um, especially for the Brazilian Zouk, we have been... Uh, uh, fusioning some Brazilian Zouk movement uh, into Kizomba with the leading and following of Kizomba in Fusion Keys. Uh, because if you respect the rule, if you know the rules, then you can break them. <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Though. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the key. <laughs> That's the key. Um, that's so true. So real quick, real quick. I want to, I want to give some value to some dancers out there so i really just want to ask you a couple more questions and you know just have you answer them all right yeah so uh so for someone who is a beginner in a uh -huh. dance yeah and and they feel like like they're not getting better like they're stuck in this beginner's ruts what advice or words of wisdom could you give to them um 
well, if uh, this person is studying with only one teacher, then the first thing I would say is to try to open the possibilities to other teachers to discover new things. Not because his or her teacher is a bad one, but maybe it's just not explaining in the way that this person is ready to learn from. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely say learn with as many people as you, as you can. Um, this will bring you to, to unlock some ideas because, um, you know, uh, every teacher has his own way of teaching, of course, and maybe it adapts to 99% of the people, but 1% of the people know. And so this 1% should not give up on the dance, should just give up on this teacher. And not because the teacher is bad, but it's just not made for him or for her. And so, yeah, that's the first tip. And second, when beginners are stuck and the position, most of the times is because they don't social dance enough. They don't social dancing enough. Yeah, uh, they're not they're not going out enough. They're not practicing enough, or or they practice only at home alone. But if this is called couple dance, it's called social dance. Then alone at home is not the answer. <laughs> you need to social dancing you need to couple up partner up <laughs> and and dance um definitely learn um, developing your own skills especially on styling and musicality is absolutely important but then if it's called couple dance then uh, there is a reason why <laughs> it's called couple dance <laughs> so yeah a, a lot of times a lot of times that can be uh social dance can be very intimidating but i definitely understand what you're saying yeah, uh, it can be intimidating, but if you, for example, if you find at the party um, or at the festival, people who were in your class, uh, it should scare you less because it means that if they were in your class, they are the same level as you. So why not trying to, to do something together? That's very true. That's very, yeah. very true. And uh, I want to take advantage to... <laughs> to say one thing that um, as you because now you 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 made me think about it you said it's really intimidating and this is one sentence that i get often <laughs> oh no 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 mark i cannot dance with you no 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 absolutely not you intimidate me and <laughs> i just feel that like i swear i have guys who are shaking while they're dancing with me I can sometimes I can feel their heartbeat so strong that it's getting into my chest. <laughs> sometimes they are dropping like sweat on top of me so much they are in, in like nervous and anxious anxious. So <laughs> I understand that I just would like to remind these people that I'm just a simple girl who likes to dance. I'm not, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a star, I'm not a whatever alien, okay? Yes, it's true, I have some skills, I have some knowledge, but I just want to dance. So, um, some many, many people, especially beginners, don't come to invite me because they say, I know just a few routines, I know just basic steps, I know just uh, these two, three things, so you will get bored. But the thing that they don't understand is first, I don't want for you to impress me because I don't, I'm not looking for a dance partner. I already have my dance partner. So I don't want for you to impress me. I just want for you to make me dance and for both of us enjoy. 
and and this is very very important you don't have to impress me i i'm already impressed i already have my dance partner so i just want to dance second thing imagine that i'm dancing every day of the week let's take a festival three days of the festival for three parties maybe if there is a pre-party four and i'm dancing six five hours per night so if any dance was high level high cardio high quality i will die so sometimes i need uh, some beginners who just do some basics you know <laughs> it's it's needed so beginners are welcome <laughs> come and that's a great way to look at it too um I'll say for myself, you know, I, I sometimes get intimidated by dancing with my, my uh, instructor. And it's just, I think it's just like you said, you know, I don't want to bore that person. I don't want to, you know, bore them. But, um, you know, you kind of you put, put it right into words for me. Yes. And third thing, which uh, is very interesting, is that um, for a beginner, to, for a beginner or intermediate, whatever, but let's say someone not, not high experience, who can can have the experience of like the feeling of dancing with me can really uh, unlock something in his mind can really click something like whoa that's the feeling that I want from any dance and so this creates a magic inside of him that will not let him leave the dance world when things will get harder or when uh, maybe one girl will say no or someone will tell him that he's not good, but he will remember that feeling that he had dancing with me, and this will keep him alive, like on the dance floor. And this is something very important. Um, so please, beginners are welcome. <laughs> Hello. Hey, no, that's so true. That's so true. That motivation is so needed for a lot of people. Mm. Um, let me uh, let me ask you the continuation to that question. For someone who is an intermediate and they want to get to that advanced level, what does it take for yeah. them? Um, intermediate, advanced. Okay. To the intermediate, to the advanced. Uh, first, I don't think that we call intermediate the same person because I saw this um, traveling around like what is intermediate for me, maybe is already advanced for you or vice versa. Uh, so this is an interesting topic also, because uh, like sometimes uh, they give uh, me and Yami some classes to teach and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you teach uh, Fusion Kids Advance. Okay, then uh, we come to class Advance. <laughs> and, and half of the class is like lost since the first eight. So what do you mean Advance? What do you mean advanced? What do you mean intermediate? Intermediate for me or intermediate for you? And what is for you? So this is really a big confusion. But apart from that, I think that um, the real click is if an interme intermediate gets to an advanced level for me when he's able to do um, very high technique, uh, or high musicality step or routine with anyone so also with beginners who is able to enjoy to make it even a beginner female follower or leader doesn't matter enjoy the dance that's what really makes this person an advance because of course an intermediate who an intermediate leader who is dancing with an advanced follower an advanced follower of course will fly 
because the followers is in advance. It's like high, high standard, okay? But what if this intermediate is able to do the same things with the beginner follower and still make her enjoy the dance? That's what makes it in advance. That's, a, that's very true. And that's something I definitely can agree with. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. When you're able... Yeah, when you're able to lead, you know, move with um, someone who doesn't really know the move, you know, I think that shows a high level of capability or ability. So I understand that. Without putting the other person um, in an uncomfortable position also. Without putting, like, without making the other person feeling uncomfortable, like, mm, okay, I did this, but I didn't feel it was right. So this was not, was not good. Um, so, yeah. That's that, that's my definition of an advance. <laughs> I, I understand that, and that, that makes a lot of sense. That, that makes a lot of sense. Let, let me ask you. Um, one, let me ask you like two more questions. Um, for for musicality, how how can someone improve their musicality? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> How can someone prove their musicality? Um, I would say that from a leader, for for a leader to prove the musicality is being able to use your follower as the instrument. So not yourself, but to be able to lead this musicality that you have to your follower. From the follower side, I would say that high level of musicality is when you're able to play with your own musicality, which can be different from the one of your leader, from the musicality of your leader, and still not disturbing his leading. Make sense? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like having your own style within that, that couple dance. Without disturbing the other person, yes, of course, finding your own space without disturbing the other person, which sometimes cannot be possible because when you're dancing really, really uh, connected and tight and your your leader is just holding you very, very tight, it's hard to express this, but you can still enjoy the hug. <laughs> I understand that, definitely. Um, and let me let me ask you one last question. Okay, um, go for it. <laughs> can you give me one tip that can make anyone a better dancer immediately? <laughs> Take my classes. <laughs> come on, come on now. <laughs> um One tip, one tip it would be feel comfortable with what you're doing. You really need to feel comfortable. I, I often compare, especially when I'm teaching lady styling, I often compare uh, the lady styling with clothes, with fashion, um, because I believe that this uh, makes more sense, especially in a female mind. Um, so lady styling, lady styling compared to clothes means um, I can look at another girl and see a dress on top of her and how beautiful is this dress and how beautiful she's looking inside of this dress and admire the, the view 
but just being able to realize that I will never feel comfortable with the dress. Uh, it's just not made for me. So it is looking amazing, beautiful on her. It's just not made for me. Uh, why? For X reason, because it's just not uh, how I like to dance. So it's, I don't like my legs, so it's better for me not to wear a dress. So for X reason. It's just not made for me, but I can still admire how beautiful she looks with this dress. So, um, the lady styling and the styling in general, even the men's styling works uh, the same, is something that we need to feel comfortable on ourselves. Uh, like uh, is your perfect dress, as long as, as, as much as, is your per as you find is your perfect dress. Um, so, to put this in a more general vision, so bigger, bigger vision, um, I would say that in dance, to be better, to really develop, you need to feel comfortable with what you're doing. Because uh, if you don't feel comfortable with the steps, with the music, with the with the lead, with the follow, with the musicality, with the styling, then you will, you will stay stuck. You will not move forward. That's super duper important. Yeah, when you're comfortable with it, um. You know, you're, you're able to lead it better. You have better dances, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's my tip. <laughs> hey, hey, that's perfect. That's perfect. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, at this point, Ms. Marta, you know, I really want to thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me. Thank you very much. It was such a pleasure and time flies so fast. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course. Real, real quick, tell me this. Um, You know, do you have... Any events that you want to plug? Anything going on that you want to you know talk about? <laughs> uh, right now, <laughs> right now, it's not the right moment. But I want to say, people, that as soon as the borders will reopen, as soon as in your own community or around the world, someone will have the chance, the opportunity to reopen a party, to reopen a festival, people go and support. Go and support. So see you around the world. See you on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And real quick before we go, um, tell me, how can people get in contact with you? How can they reach out to you? Well, um, easily with my name and last name, Marta Mignone or Marta MGN. You can find me on any social media. So Facebook, I have profile, page, and group. On Instagram, I have my page. On Snapchat, on WeChat, on Fiverr, on Telegram, on everywhere, literally everywhere, uh, with my name and last name. And um, yeah, 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 that, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's perfect. That's perfect. When I um when I upload this, I'm going to make sure you know, put all your contact information in the details. Yes, please. And thank you thank so you. much for uh, for reaching me, uh, reaching up to me and um, for this interview. Hey, of course. Thank you so much, Marta. Please enjoy. The rest of your day, all right? Yeah. You too. All Thank right. you very much. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> That's all it is. Hey, everyone. Uh, if you made it this far to all the way to the end of the video, I want to thank you so much. Um, my overall goal with making these interviews and these episodes is... Uh, to give a voice to dancers, you know, to give them a platform to speak their story. So, uh, if this is of value to anyone, then that that means the world to me. Um, my overall goal is to give 
value to the dance community. So if you find no value in this, then I, I urge you to please let me know where I can improve on. Um, I I truly want to, you know, just uh, give value and content to to the dance community. Um, so please let me know how I can improve, where I'm messing up, because to be 100% honest with you, um, you know, I'm learning along the way as I do this. I, I truly am. So um, to be able to interact with, you know, the dance community, it means the world to me because it, it gives me feedback and it lets me know, you know, what I'm doing right, where I can improve upon, um, you know, what I'm doing wrong, which I feel like might be more important. Um, so please, if you all could, could comment and just let me know what you think, it, it means the world to me because, you know, that feedback just helps me improve. So um, please comment uh, as well, you know, please like and subscribe. That means a lot as well. Um, but, you know, I want to say thank you so much for for just watching this because it means the world to me. Um, you know, I want to... I want to take you on this journey of the Two Love Feet Podcast. You know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. So once again, thank you so much.